I'll be reading Psalms 128, 1 through 6. In your pew Bibles, that's five, page 551. I'll be reading out of the New King James Version. That is Psalms 128, 1 through 6. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be with, well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Good morning. It is so good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us this morning, thank you so much for being with us. And to all of you that are fathers, we say to you, Happy Father's Day. What a tremendous uh, honor it is and pleasure it is to have good fathers, and what a blessing that it is to our lives. When I consider the day and I think of some of the greatest blessings that I've experienced in my life, uh, to have a, a great and godly father would be one of the greatest blessings. To have children of my own would be one of the greatest blessings. But definitely the greatest blessing is to have a heavenly father who has adopted me into his family. And I'm sure that, that all of us here today can either say that or say that that is a concern to you or else you probably wouldn't be here today. So as we think about the design of the family and the way God has designed it and we think about fathers... Let us also think that we have a wonderful example of a heavenly father that we can look to and see what God wants us to be uh, as fathers also. It's interesting when we think of Father's Day, especially in comparison to Mother's Day. There won't be nearly as many cards sold today. It won't get close to comparison. The truth is there won't be nearly as many gifts bought today as compared to Mother's Day. I think I shared with you when it was hot news back several years ago. It's probably been five years ago, but I'd like to remind you of a fact. A card company decided that of a benevolent nature and of a public relations nature, they would go to a state penitentiary and they would offer Mother's Day cards free of charge. The inmates were allowed, working with the system, to come in. And what they were shocked was that almost every inmate come by for a card. During the day, they had to call back to the manufacturer and say, send over more cards. This is far much greater demand than what we ever dreamt would be. They sent back two different times to bring more cards, to have enough cards for Mother's Day. The company decided that since that was such a great success, that what they would do is do this same thing on Mother's Day, on Father's Day. Father's Day came, they took the cards, they set up, they did everything in the exact same fashion. Two men out of the entire state penitentiary. Two men showed up to receive a Father's Day card to send to their fathers. It is a proven statistic that one of the things that almost all men in prison have in common is a lack of fathers or respect for their fathers. 
And when we see that, it kind of jars us back to reality that fatherhood is something not only important, but it also can be something very fragile. It can be something that we as fathers need to take very seriously, and it's something that we as fathers, when we do so, it's a tremendous blessing for generations to come. And so as we think about the importance of this topic of of fatherhood, I would like for you, if you would, to consider the text that was just read for us so capably here uh, just a few minutes ago by Logan. And if you'll notice that text again, we see kind of a sandwich between verse 1 and verse 4 of first he says, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. And then he summarizes some things that he's just said in verse 4 by saying, Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Now this is interesting. So he starts out by saying, let me tell you some things that bring blessings in life. But then he talks primarily to men. And so then after he states some real things of substances that, that is a blessing in life, he closes and says, now if we do those things, they're blessings. And so as we think about fatherhood today, let's think about what is it that the Lord would place on this sandwich here that would say, this is real love. This is what fathers experience. This is what they give. This is what they want to obtain in their life as fathers as a challenge to each of us as fathers and also as a way of appreciating godly fathers that we have had. Notice the first thing that he talked about there in verse 1. He says, it's those who fear the Lord and who walks His way walks in His way. We sometimes use the expression, walks the walk. How blessed we are when we have a father who walks the walk. How blessed we are when we as fathers, a blessing that we can be to our families, whenever we are a father who walks that walk. It just doesn't work to say, do as I say, not as I do. We're just not geared that way. Our children are not wired that way. We can say all the right things, but when it's said and done, our children more than likely are going to do what we did. That's the way we are uh, made by God. And so that's why God pleads with us as parents to make sure that we're laying the right foundation, that we're allowing them to see the right things in our life, because our life is one of the most powerful sermons that they will ever hear or ever see. Now when we think about this, we say, how is it that we could even remember and even relate back to childhood to make sure that we can get this right? I thought it was interesting, the article that James Whitaker wrote just a couple of weeks ago, and I know that most of you read it and appreciated it because I've heard probably as many comments about that article as I have any article in the last few years, and it was a tremendous article. In that article, he spoke about the experience that he and Katie uh, had recently to keep three foster boys, little foster boys, for a week. And how going through that reminded of him of some things that he had forgotten just from the time that his boys were that age. You know, that's so easy to do. It's so easy for us to experience something, for example, like childhood, and then whenever we become adults and we have our children... We forget what it is to look through life through a child's eyes. But you know, if we're godly parents, one of the things that is a tremendous blessing to us is that we don't lose complete touch with that because we always remain children. If you and I are faithful to God, we have a heavenly Father. And that means we're constantly in submission 
We're constantly asking ourselves, what does the Father want in my life? What does He ask me to do? We're constantly aware of the fact that God chastises us, and if you're not, you're missing a rich spiritual blessing. We need to be aware of the times that God chastises us and God corrects us because if we're a child, He loves us, He's going to chastise us. Well, when we see all of these things, then we're reminded, hey, as a father, that's some of the things that my children need to see out of me. That's some of the things that now I can identify, I can remember again what it is to be a child. The psalmist that we're studying from this morning, isn't it interesting that the way that he saw God was like a shepherd in Psalms 23? And he saw him as a shepherd that always provided for him. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. A father that always provides. He saw him as a father that always was there to protect. Not to bring harm into his life, but when enemies would surround him, that he would be there with a rod and a staff that protects. But he also saw him as a father that would keep his promises. David just knew that his father could give him eternal life and that he would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we think about a father that walks the walk, are we that kind of father? Just like the heavenly father. A father that provides for our children. A father that protects our children. And the father that we want to place out there real promises and keep those promises. Promises especially about spiritual life. It's a great blessing when we have that to offer to our families. But notice as we read verse 2 in our text, we're in Psalms 128 and notice verse 2 as we see not only how important it is for a father to, to walk the walk, but notice about his work here in verse 2 as he said, when you eat the labor of your own hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. Eat the labor of your own hands. Work. How blessed we are when we have fathers that have gone out and they've worked for us and they have provided for us during our years of growing up. And maybe in a congregation that is made up primarily of middle class, this may not be to you something that you've thought that much about. And maybe if you've grown up in middle class, maybe you haven't realized the blessing that it is if you had a father that always provides for you and a father that constantly you knew the refrigerator would have food in it. I think back to when a woman came in with tears in her eyes and she sat down and she began a long laundry list of things that made it very difficult to live with her husband. But the thing that she said hurt her the most was that she had two little babies and her husband didn't care whether or not there was milk in the refrigerator. And to hear her with tears streaming down her face say, why does he not care? He would just as soon get fired from a job as go into a job. And when I tell him how desperate we are for food, he doesn't care if we have food or not. How can any man not care if his children have food? Well, that's a good question. And we need to realize that that's not God's plan. God's plan is that He looks at a man that's blessed. Now keep in mind, this is the blessed sandwich here. What's in the middle where God would say, look at the blessings. 
when you keep these things, thus you shall have the blessings of the Lord. What are those blessings? When we care about our families, when we care enough to provide for our families. Let's look at two passages real quick. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians, the third chapter. 2 Thessalonians, the third chapter. We're going to begin reading at verse 10. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10. We'll come back to our text in just a moment. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If any man will not work, neither shall he eat. So does God care whether or not an individual works? Absolutely. He cares so much that he says, I want you to do something that will motivate that individual. Well, what will motivate an individual? When they begin to be hungry, don't give them food. That's bottom line. We do a terrible injustice to people we love whenever they're hungry and they will not work and we give them food because we are promoting their laziness. And so the Lord absolutely states it in Holy Script speaking to the church. Do not feed the hungry that can work. That would be absolutely wrong. Then he says in verse 11, For we hear that there are some who among you, who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are of such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Now here he states, There's something that's very disorderly in the congregation that he's writing to in Thessalonica. He said, well, what is it that's so disorderly? Maybe they were doing something wrong in worship. Maybe they were doing something wrong in the structure of their families. Maybe they were doing something wrong in dealing with the community. What was the church doing that was so disorderly? They had some that quit working. And when they quit working, they couldn't provide for themselves, so they started going and eating other people's food. And what did that do? That left them open to get right in the middle of everybody's business. They became nosy busybodies. And that was causing trouble in the church and in the lives and families of individuals. What's the answer? Go to work. Provide for your own family. What a blessing it is. And isn't it interesting, even back in Psalms where the Lord says, I want to show you what a blessed man's life will be like. He says it's a man that eats his own bread. He's made his own living. We see it again as we go to 1 Timothy, the 5th chapter and verse 8. 1 Timothy, the 5th chapter and verse 8. And the reason I want us to look here, it's the same thing, but yet he shows how serious it is. 1 Timothy 5 and 8, he says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so we see here the Lord saying, I just want to tell you how serious this is to God. God says, you take someone who's an unbeliever, and you take someone who says, I'm a believer, but yet won't provide for their family. Now by human reasoning, we might say, hmm, maybe this unbeliever is still in worse condition in the Lord's eyes, because at least this person believes. And the Lord says, no. No, this person is worse in God's eyes. A believer? that will not take care of his family is worse in the eyes of God than an unbeliever that would take care of his family. Now, the end of either is a sad end, but it's interesting to note how important is it to God that a man take care of his family. And we see that God places that as some of the greatest blessings in the life of a family when the man supports his family. Now, there's other support, and as you see on the screen, because these were not mentioned specifically 
in the text that we're reading today. We'll just use them as application and make these points much more quickly, but yet they are very, very important points. Notice another thing that fathers are to provide for their families is that fathers are to provide spiritual care. And Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 23, teaches that the father is to be head of the home or head of the wife just as Christ is head of the church. And so that spiritual headship, that spiritual leadership, the father, the husband is to provide that. When we go to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, we're reminded that it's fathers that are not to provoke their children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So we see that it's fathers that are to provide that nurturing, that instruction in righteousness. It's fathers that are help their children grow up. It's fathers that are say, this is our home, and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We've made our decision. We've, we've made our direction in life, and the Father leads, and the family should follow that spiritual leadership. We also see that there is emotional provisions that ought to be made. When we read over in 1 Peter, the third chapter, in verse 7, it is a powerful passage that if we take and break down what every phrase in this passage means, it just might be that more is said to men in this one verse than any other verse in the Bible. He says in 1 Peter 3 and 7, Husbands likewise dwell, live with them. Talking about wives, and surely it would be okay to apply family here. With understanding giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Now isn't this interesting here? The emotional support that a husband brings into his home. He lives there. That alone would be protection because he's the stronger vessel. But also, he dwells there according to knowledge. He's getting to know his family. He knows his family better than anybody else knows his family. He knows their struggles, he knows their pains, and he is there as a spiritual leader to support them in that because he knows them. Now, a fellow says, well, I, I, it's just not my, I'm just not the type of person to really talk that much to my family. They'll just have to get used to it. Well, why not be converted and become a Christian? Think how wonderful it would be to give your family a Christian father and to give your family a Christian husband that says, hey, it may not be my nature to talk a lot, but you know what? I love you so much, I want to get to know you. And I want to live with you according to understanding. I want to understand you more than anybody understands you because how can I take the spiritual leadership of this home if I don't know the people that I'm supposed to be leading? And so we have tremendous insight there as he talks about the emotional support that in turn will end up being a tremendous spiritual support to the home. Even that of honoring the weaker vessel. Women will always be weaker than men physically. The average man will always be stronger than the average woman. And so here we say, what is the man to do? He honors her. If a man speaks to his wife in harsh tones and with harsh words simply because he knows he can get by with it, because he's stronger. She can't lift a hand against him. He can put her in her place, either through fear 
or physical force. That's exactly what this verse is condemning. If a man would not say the same words to a man that was 6'10 and weighed about 380 pounds and could bench press 700 pounds, if he wouldn't say those same words to that man, he's talking the wrong way to his wife. We do not build relationships based upon fear. We build relationships based upon honor. Emotional support. We honor them according to the verse we just read in 1 Peter 3 and 7 because they are the weaker vessel. God's plan is wonderful that He has given for the family and for homes. Let's go back and see a final point here. As we go back to Psalms 128, if you'll notice, He talks about not only the the walk that we'll have and the work that we'll do, do, but He describes the family in this loving support system. Let's look at the love that He'll have for His family. He says, Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in in, in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. You say, well, what's this home to look like? And it's interesting here that he describes the wife as a fruitful vine. And in agricultural terms, that was a tremendous compliment. The vine was one that brought great blessings to those around. And so he says, look, you're going to have a wife, and your wife should be able to bring great blessings into your life. But then we say, where's this wife? And this is beautiful. He says the wife is in the very heart of the home. Now let's think about what God says about the fathers and the husbands. Where are they to be? They're to be at the head of the home. Well, who's to be at the heart of the home? The mothers. Homes just don't work as well without the head and the heart. And when we put it together and everyone fulfills their role just as God designed, we create something beautiful. And what happens is, then there are shoots coming up. Olive shoots. Notice how I use the word shoots and not branches. We have children here, and they're not branches that are growing out of a tree. Perhaps most of us here have seen roots go through the ground, and then a shoot come out of the root. Now, at first, we simply refer to that shoot as a part of that tree. Oh, that's a shoot coming out of the root of that tree. And then in time, as the tree matures, the other tree could literally be struck by lightning. It could uh, die. But the other has already formed its own tree. And it's growing. It's not a branch. It's a shoot from the tree. Are you trying to raise children to be an extension of you? Or are we trying to raise children that can grow to be servants of God, independent of us one day, living faithful, spiritually mature lives? It's a big difference whether or not we see our children as a branch or if we see them as a shoot that will one day stand on its own. And what's the conclusion? The conclusion of all this, as we go back and read verse 5 and 6, And the Lord bless you out of Zion. 
And may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. See, the psalmist here summarizes this after he's already stated what it is that that makes a man's life blessed. He summarizes it by saying that man's going to constantly see that all these great blessings come out of Zion. In other words, all these great blessings are from God. And also this man, on the other hand, is leading his family toward God. And so it's going both ways here. A receiving from God and a leading toward God. And notice how this man's going to do this. All the days of his life. You see, what he's described here is a man that has endured in the faith. And if he endures long enough, this man will actually see his children's children be a blessing in his life and in the spiritual heritage that he has helped to grow and to develop. Now that ought to be our goal. Our goal ought to be, how can I live my life so that the spiritual influence that I have will extend down to as many generations as possible? I think as grandparents, we make terrible mistakes when we don't think that we have strong influence over our children, our grandchildren, spiritually. You have tremendous influence over your grandchildren spiritually. Let's all make sure that we live this life striving to be a child of the Father, a child that wants to be adopted into that home, a child that wants to walk the walk, a child that wants to work the work, a child that wants to love the family of God, the church, and a child that wants to endure to the end faithfully. This morning, again, we, we honor our earthly fathers. But you know, to think about the rich blessings that we experience because of a spiritual father, It's almost beyond our grasp mentally. But thank God that He's adopted us. If you don't have God as your heavenly Father, you're missing out on a rich family, a rich blessing from a heavenly Father. If you're willing to repent of sins, confess before man, and be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, won't you do that this morning? If you have done that, but somewhere along the way you've strayed from your Father, the good news is that He tells us in Luke 15 that He's a Father that has open arms and He's watching and waiting for us to return. He wants us to come home. It brings great joy to Him when we do come home. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.